You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Thank you, thank you, Dominique and Caitlin. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Ryan. His first... This is uh, Ryan's first official day as, as our new worship director. And so if you get a chance to... If you get a chance to say hey to him at some point today, please just welcome him to the church. Welcome him to uh, the New Covenant family. He's been around for a few weeks, but this is, this is officially the start time. So we're, we're really thankful for you, brother, and for the whole team. Um, also, just in, in line with that, we, uh, you know, we've been in transition over the last several months. Our... our I want to say our original worship director, at least when I started, you know, our first worship director who we brought in, um, Sarah Garcia, has uh, transitioned out, and you knew that had happened. We've talked all about that, and we've loved on them, and um, they're still here for another month or two, so you'll still be seeing her for a little bit. But uh, Jonathan Alvarez was had stepped in to, to lead in the interim between just where before Ryan started and after Sarah had left, and, Ryan, um, and John has just done an awesome, amazing job, and I just wanted to publicly thank you, Jonathan. Wave your hand, John. So, John was up there. John was up today singing as well, and um, just really grateful for you, brother, and Audra. Thank you so much for just serving us so faithfully, and uh, you guys are a blessing, and we just... Um, we want to communicate our love for you and our thanks for just serving this family. And we have, uh, we have a, just a small gift for you, and I think Ryan's going to give that to you at some point. He's, he might be weeping in the back. Um, <laughs> um, so we are, uh, we're just blessed, church. Like, we really are. Um, God is just bringing just amazing people here, and you all are, hey, brother, you all are part of... You all are part of that, uh, each and every one of you. And I just want to say welcome to New Covenant. If you don't know who I am, I'm Adam. I'm the pastor here at the church. And um, for everybody at home, we are so thankful for each and every one of you and how you uh, are, are, are integral in just what God is doing here in, in this church. And this, uh, this month, we are doing something a little bit unique. Um, many of you know this, and many may not know this, but this church has been here uh, since 1977, and so we are approaching uh, just quite quite large milestones here, and often in our worlds, uh, we, we don't remember well history. We don't, we don't honor history well. We don't think deeply about those who have come before us on whose shoulders we stand, and so we're taking this month and honestly, this is something I wanted to do a while ago, but this pesky little virus kept uh, throwing, <laughs> throwing difficulty our way. Um, we're, we're calling it Legacy, and we're just taking several weeks to honor the past, remember the past, as well as showing how the past and our history is a launching point for us to move forward um, in the future. And so we have a few unique elements throughout this whole month that we're going to be sharing with you, and one of which is a greeting from the founding pastor of this church, George Callahan, from 1977. He's still, he's still uh, alive and well, and um, we have a video that he sent in, he and his wife, to welcome you, to greet you. The video quality is not super great, um, but we felt like it was still important to show you and, and for you to hear a greeting from him. So this is, this is Pastor Callahan uh, saying a, a quick greeting to everybody. Good morning to the Ragamuffin Fellowship. George Callahan here. I have two minutes, so I must move very quickly. It all began in 1977 when we were called down here by the Lesseurs, Catherine Marshall, to begin a brand new work, a charismatic, now called Renewal, charismatic church, open to the Holy Spirit in all of its dimensions. When we came down, we called this new work the centrality of the cross and life in the Holy Spirit. And 
Now it's 44 years later. We were there for 20. And during that time, the multitudes of people who came had nothing to do with, with me or our staff. It was a draw of the Holy Spirit of broken, vulnerable, needy people. In 82, we moved into the building that you are now in. And that was a great, great move of God. We came up with $250,000 one year after we started to pay for the property and permission to use the lake. And so in 82, we moved in. It was a great day. So many ministries that Jim Letizia and others can share with you this morning, but in 1990, we left the Presbyterian Church USA and we became part of the beloved Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Our involvement in the pro-life movement was very costly to us. We almost lost the church in the lawsuits of RICO. But she's there today, glorious, risen, and coming together. I retired in 1997, and we send you our very best. God bless you. And now, my little bride, Bonnie. I'd like to share two highlights that, um, to me, were significant. Stay here. Well, no, I'm very <laughs> humble. Um, and one was the Christian school under the direction of Audrey McDonough. Oh, yes. And in 1984, we began a school with uh, just a few preschoolers and developed into an elementary school. And the foundation that was laid for hundreds of those children, I know it's just reaping benefits right now in today's life. And I'm so grateful for that. Sure. And secondly, I would like to mention that um, the vision that Ray and Ann West and their daughter Julie had for saving babies and having a place for unwed mothers. So his caring place was presented to the board and New Covenant fully supported the beginning of his caring place. And now 44 years later, several churches are now supporting that ministry. And we thank God that so many babies have been saved from abortion because there was a vision for his caring place. Thank you, God bless you, and thank you for letting us be a part of your legacy. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, is, it is amazing to know of just the different ministries that have been birthed out of this church over the last 44 years, and you're going to be hearing some more of that as the weeks go on. Uh, we have some guests coming in. We have people from our church uh, also going to be just sharing some testimonies and uh, if you were here, I know this is, I don't want to date anybody, but if you were here in those first few years, 1977, 78, maybe up through, you know, 81, 82, can you, can you raise your hand? Can you stand up? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can have a seed. You are champions. I mean, in a day when commitment is low, to have people who have been at this church through some great times and some not-so-great times for 44 years is pretty amazing and impressive. And, um, you know, younger people tend to always think that, you know, whatever is is new, is best, is great, and we, we just don't want to think about what came before, but we, we understand that we are here today on, on this ground because of those who paved the way and did a lot of the heavy lifting so that we could, we could enjoy what we enjoy today. And so it's really neat. We're, um, Ryan, you know, is our newest staff member, and we're so grateful for him to come on staff and be part of the church. And then uh, if you saw Cindy Sherman was standing over there, and she was here 1977, she said she was four at the time. I don't think she was quite four, but she, she is also our, one of our staff members, and she does uh, all of our benevolence and mercy ministry, and she uh, is a blessing. So it's just really neat to see the, the dynamic of 
the, the old and the new, the, what has come before and what is yet to be. And so we're excited about that. And as part of that as well, we invited, um, so we, that was George Callahan. He was the pastor starting in 1977. Um, and you heard him you know, give some of his testimony. But we also have Jim Letizia here. And I'm going to invite Jim up to come on stage. So Jim. Yeah, you got that perfect. Come have a seat, Jim. So Jim was the pastor here from 1997 to 2017, so I have succeeded him, and um, we're just going to have a, a, just a little conversation, and so glad to I'm have I'm a little you. bit overdressed, but I thought you'd like to see what it looked like back in the day. So. Jim. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> it's good. Jim asked while we were texting back, he's like, so what do you, what do you guys wear these days? And he's like, jacket, this, I said... Actually, I, I'm pretty kind of casual. I wear jeans usually and a button-up shirt. And, uh, um, and I said, but wear whatever you feel is comfortable for you. And uh, yeah, every now and again, I'll get a comment. You know, like some days I'll wear a, I'll wear a jacket sometimes. And uh, someone will inevitably say, oh, man, you really look like a pastor today. <laughs> well, it really hides a multitude of sins. That's really why we wear it. You know? That so, is true. Yeah. That is true. Jim, I, someone gave some artifacts from days gone by, and uh -oh. one of them was a newspaper article oh, of wow. your first, it says, installed last Sunday as pastor of New Covenant Church. <laughs> I thought you might want to take That's a look amazing. at that. I think yeah, Donna I do Powell might that. have yeah. had that or turned that I had inside. a lot of black hair back then. <laughs> and what is this thing you're holding? What is what, this? What is that? This is a newspaper. I've ne I, we, don't, we don't have yeah, newspapers. Well, yeah, oh, what is that? I thought it was in the picture there. No, yeah, we don't see newspapers anymore. Newspapers, so. so yeah, wow, I it's that great was to be here. So, Jim, um, I, I am thankful that you're here, and I thought it would be just great for the church to get a greeting from you and to hear a little bit about your time at NCC. Maybe you could just give a brief description of your time, you know, when you started. I know you were here before you became senior pastor. Yes. Share a little bit of that. I kind of held every position here, I think. Um, I came in 1985. Uh, Linda and I were doing uh, production concerts, arranging and producing concerts at Sunrise Music Theater for the Jewish community. And it was a ministry from another church that we were part of, and it, it just took off. And so we were doing these packed houses at sunrise for the Jewish community. It was wonderful. We had a big orchestra and, and chorus and all. So George had heard about that. I didn't really know him at the time, but I heard of him, knew of New Covenant being here. It was one of the first churches around that was denominational yet charismatic. It was kind of an oxymoron, if you will because in those days, things were very different. And so coming here with a music background, Linda too is pianist, and I did a lot of the arranging and producing and, and, and playing and singing, whatever. Um, it was a very new day here, and some of you old guard here, I call you, remember those great days. And so as time went on in 87, I became the administrator here. I had a background in human resource management, so that worked for me to help with the administration of the church. It was a pretty new church from 82 to 87. Uh, a lot was going on. Uh, the, the lake did become ours, 23 acres is, is owned by New Covenant Church, so that is our lake. Regardless of what people try to say, we worked hard to get that piece of property. So in 87, being the administrator, I was also a worship leader in doing the music. And um, by 1990, I became ordained in the EPC, which brought me into assistant pastor, then I became associate pastor, and then when George left, uh, I took the C senior role. Let me tell you something. That was a joy to see. George and I worked together for 12 years. Uh, I worked under him. I, I, listen, being the number two guy is the best place to be. And I missed being number two guy because it all fell on his shoulders, you know. Uh, he was great to work with. He was unique. He was a great preacher. Um, he had a style about him um, that is just uncomparable to most people. And uh, we had a great time. So our, our friendship is still still strong. We don't see each other talk much, but uh, whenever I see him, I just, I just love it. So he is a, a wonderful history here and uh, uh, the founding pastor who really made a lot of this happen. So, so by 1990, coming up to uh, the middle of the 90s, we were in some serious trouble. Um, the lawsuits that came because of pro-life. George and I were sitting right here one Sunday night when um, the pro-life 
movement was starting, and Randall Terry was here, who wrote the book, uh, I can't, Operation Rescue, I think it was. And he said, what are you going to tell your grandchildren that you did for abortion? And it just went through us, to him specifically, like a dagger. And he knew that we needed to step up and do something about pro-life. So I moderated through that whole time to try and be in a moderate position because he took a front row seat in that and with Bonnie. And uh, we were sued by the National Organization of Women. Uh, it was a long story. It would take hours to unravel. Uh, they put some plants in the church here and ended up suing us under the RICO Act. And it was a terrible day. But we knew that we were on a right road with the Lord because many babies were saved. Many women came to us. They saw us on television. Uh, we were all over the place with this movement. And so a lot of babies were rescued. And uh, it was a serious time. We almost lost the church over it, but we didn't. And uh, we prevailed. George left then about 96. And through a process that we went through, I became the lead pastor and started a whole new era. You've only had three pastors, George, Jim, and Adam. And so that's quite a legacy right there. And I, I wish you 20 to 30 more years, brother. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, there, there is so many stories that, you know, I keep oh, learning yeah. about from, from the history here. Um, and really cool to hear about his caring place starting from here and, and other ministries. Um, what is, I think, you know, one of the things that we really want to do in, is help us, you know, as the newer generation, and, you know, I'm, I'm like middle-aged now, so me and younger, <laughs> um, and everybody who's currently here, you know, what, what's, a, what's some wisdom, a charge that you can give us as we look to the future, as we look to carry the, the foundation of what was built here at New Covenant into this next well first of all let me say thank you for asking that question because we do stand on the shoulders of giants spiritually i mean going back a hundred two three hundred years uh, of this nation and the church remember the church started as a result of people wanting to come together in their little towns so they could learn about moral issues they could learn scripture they could believe in a god with uh, with religious freedoms that they could have and so the church has always been a community-minded facility. We come here to worship God. We don't come here to do ministry, per se. We do the ministry out there. And we've always believed that, that the hardest work of the gospel is to challenge you to go out there and make disciples for Jesus. And so the future is, this is wonderful. I mean, you can blame me for this platform because I fought for it because we used to do all these big productions here. Gene's here, remember all the great times we had with uh, Easter and Christmas, and we would bring people in here that uh, we never saw during the year, and we called them Chris Easters. You know, they were here Christmas and Easter, and that's it. You know, but we built all this so that we could produce and direct and we could demonstrate our love for God. That's wonderful, but the main ministry is out there. And so I would just encourage this church, that it continues on, and it will continue on, to go out into the world. Listen, Jesus said something really profound, and I've always used this in the world. And now that I'm back in the world, if you will, I mean, I'm still doing ministry uh, out there, but it's so different. Jesus said, he said that I am the way, I am the truth, the life. No one, listen to the finality of that, no one comes to the Father but through me. Mm. Listen, you try that on somebody out in the world who says, I believe that there is a God, and you lay that on them, that's going to separate the chaff from the wheat right there. I'm working with a young man right now. I do mentor some young folks in the uh, classic automobile industry, actually, which is kind of unique. Uh, but uh, these young guys come to me uh, to learn how to, to buy and restore and sell these antique automobiles. And I've always been involved in that in some way for many, many years since I was a kid. And he said to me, this young guy, love this guy, he says, I believe there's a God. I believe there's a God. But what about the Bible? Do I really need to read the Bible? And I said, well, you can't know anything about God without the Bible. And so there's your issue right there. People do say they believe, they say they're going to heaven or whatever that is, but they have no understanding of the gospel. When you say 
The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is a separation right there. And the charge to you as a church is as good as this is. Love the worship today. Reminds me of the old days in many ways. This is not where it's at for ministry. Ministry is out there. And I believe you get that and you understand that. This is where we worship God. That's where we do the work of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so go out there. Christians need to demonstrate their faith on a daily basis in some way, a smile, a conversation. Don't come here just to hear Adam preach great sermons for you, and then you take that out and you do nothing with it all week. And you may never even talk to another person the whole week until you come back. That's not what Jesus wanted us to do. So my charge to you is, and if you're doing this, keep it up. Go out into the world and every day challenge yourself to speak the word of God in some way of love, compassion, commitment to your understanding of who Jesus is, and you'll be surprised how that's going to change people's lives. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Well, thank you for all your years of service, man. Thank you for being here today. You and Linda, we're grateful. And we, yeah. we know that we stand on your shoulders as, as much as others. And we will have you back for sure. Love to, to be back. To come in. Yeah. This is home for you all. So please it is. Be, be here, be home. And uh, <laughs> thank you, brother. We Thanks really so appreciate much. you. Love you, Love you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, my friends, uh, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy. Thank you, John. We're going to be in 2 Timothy. We're going to take the next few weeks and look at this book as it relates to this very topic that we have introduced already here today. If you're looking for 2 Timothy, it is... It is buried towards the end of the, uh, the New Testament. It's a smaller letter. And if you need a Bible, there should be Bibles around you, on the seats around you. And if we will always, of course, have it on the screens for you as well. And just really grateful for the opportunity today for us to just take these few minutes and just change things up, talk some about the history of this church, and really for it to set a trajectory for us for the future. And we're going to talk about that throughout this month from this book of 2 Timothy. So let's, let's take a second, let's stand up and read God's word here. We're going to be in verse 3 of 2 Timothy through 7. This is what the word of God says, I thank God whom I serve. As did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is yours through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but power and love and self-control. This is God's word. Let's pray. Well, Lord, you're, you are faithful. And the faithfulness of these brothers and sisters who are even here today that have been at this church for 40 years, 45 years, 30 years, 25. I mean, we could, we could go down the line and, and thank you for the faithfulness that they have shown to you and to this church. And it is a, a picture of your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the shoulders that we stand on. Thank you for the legacy that has been built so that we might launch into the future with greater and, and bigger vision and mission to see your kingdom come onto this earth. We love you, God. Speak through your word. Speak through this imperfect person so that lives may be whole and your glory would be great. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can have a seat. 
I love this, this time of year. It's really interesting. You know, we, we have the Olympics going on. Sports are getting ready to start back up. We have, if you're a CrossFit fan, which I'm a CrossFit fan, the, the CrossFit games are going on right now. And um, I, I just, I, I love sports. I love the, the physicality, the mental, emotional, all of the things that go into it. And one of the things that is always kind of this fun exercise, this game when we talk about sports is trying to figure out who is the best, right? Who is the best now? But really, we don't care about who's the best now as much as what? Who's the best ever, right? What do we call those people? The goats, the goats. G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. Sorry if you don't know what that acronym is. They're not like, bah, do goats bad? No, they like scream or something. I don't even know what goats sound like. But the goats is the greatest of all time, and we're always trying to figure out the greatest of all time. And it usually happens in sports. Sometimes we go into other, you know, other arenas of life, and we're like, oh, who's the best? But really, it's, it's athletics. There's something in us that wants to, to see who the greatest is. And so, like, if I, if I show you this picture right now, okay, this stirs up all kinds of things for a lot of you. For some of you, you could care less. You're like, who are these two guys? Hopefully, you know who these two guys are. You have... Two people that are in constant conversation. Okay, I'm sorry. This is Michael Jordan on the left. The greatest of all time. And, and LeBron James. Don't, I don't want to hear any argumentation. Okay? These are the two that people are in constant communication. Who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? And we, I mean, <laughs> so... This, for some of you that care, this stirs up all kinds of emotions in you. You're like, you start thinking about games, and you're like thinking about that one, two, five games where, and you have all the arguments as to why the guy on the left or the guy on the right is the greatest of all time. And this happens in other sports, right? We have, you know, we, we talk about Tom Brady. We talk about Joe Montana, Troy Aikman. We talk about football. We talk about uh, other, other times where it's so much clearer who the greatest of all time is, right? I mean, we're in Olympic year right now, so we think back to swimming. We think back to Michael Phelps, who's clearly, right? Like, it's without a doubt. It becomes so clear. There's no argumentation, right? You, you could talk about tennis and, and Serena Williams and, uh, I, I mean, we get excited about A lot of us get excited about this. Some of you don't get excited about it. But that's okay. Clearly, I get excited about it. And we'll fight, man. We'll argue. We'll go. I mean, we, we get into it to try to figure out and try to defend, right, these men or women of, of them being the greatest. What, 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 is it, what is it in us that wants to protect that, to, to grow that? We're, we're, trying to, we, we're trying to figure out how are they going to be remembered, How are they going to be thought of? And we start talking about their, their legacy. Their legacy. We care about their legacy. And how sometimes a legacy can be broken because of a, an event, a failure, a mistake. And that legacy gets kind of tarnished. It, it, it gets smudged because of something someone did wrong. We, we care about these things because in your successes, we, we cheer it and we go, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. How did you win eight gold medals in, in eight events? Like it's never been done before. And then something will happen to someone and, and, and we just, we feel it. We go, oh, it hurts. We want legacy to hold up. We want it to mean something. And, and so even saying that word legacy, we're kind of tagging this series and this month as legacy. See, sometimes we mix it up. We, we, think, about, we think about legacy as how great someone was. And we kind of stop there. But see, that's not really the point of legacy. The point of legacy is not just about how great someone was. It's about how great they were, which leaves a mark on history that shapes the future. 
Like basketball was changed because of Michael Jordan. And we could go back to other people, I'm sure. But, but just hear the, hear the example, right? We see world records being set and we go, wow, that's amazing. But what, what is that? It's an imprint in history so that someone else says, oh, there's a, that's something I can shoot for. That's something I can aim at. I, I want to break that record or I want... The greatest of all time, the goat, the greatest of all time is a placeholder until someone better takes the title. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. See, we get caught up in the sports world and we're like, no one will ever replace Jordan. Like he'll never, no one will ever be as good. And LeBron went to all these different teams and, you know, we, we have all the arguments, but like, we should want the next generations to have their goat and to have their, their time and their, for them to be better. But we don't like it, right? We, we, we have this problem of holding on to the past and, and the good old days. <laughs> and we say things like, ah, I'm old school, right? Like, there's no school like old school. And, you know, when I was young, we were tough and... And we have a hard time moving past and, and seeing the world in a different light, in a different context. So this new pastor comes in and he wears jeans and a, and a shirt like this. And people are like, can the gospel even go forward? <laughs> I hope it can. Legacy is something you pass to the next generations to make them better, to make them stronger. Legacy isn't about the good old days. It's about, the good old, it's about how the good old days shape and launch us into the future days. And we need that. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. If you are man, woman, it doesn't matter what color of skin you have. It doesn't matter where you grew up or where you were born. There is something for you to leave, to be shaped by, and then to leave for the future generations, for the future. And this is something we all have to deal with because we, we we need to understand legacy. Legacy gives us vision and purpose for the future. If all we ever do is just be like, man, back in the 90s or the whatevers, that's when things, that's when the magic was there. And, and we can just so easily, we live back there and we, we want to walk backwards the whole time when the rest of the world is walking forward. And we can fight it. We can wrestle against it and just be like, oh, I don't want to change. I don't want the future to come. It's coming. It's here. We're in uncharted waters in so many areas. For, for us, at least, it's uncharted. There's disease. There's unrest. There's, there's tensions. There's a lot of words I want to say that would, you know, describe it well, but maybe be offensive for us. So here's what we need to think about in terms of legacy, right? We hear this amazing stuff from, from the past, and, and we have to remember our history well as, as a human race, as people who live in a country, people who live in a city, people who have a Christian faith. We need to know our Christian heritage. We need to know our local heritage. We need to have good understandings. And we need to say, okay, legacy for us has implications. How are we shaped by those who came before us? Because we all are. And then asking the question, how will we shape those who come after us? We abs you will shape who comes after you. And you don't have to be a parent for that to happen. You don't have to have some platform to stand on. All of us are shaping the future around us. And sometimes I think we don't think it. We're just caught in this moment and we're like, ah, and we, you know, we, we type out all our thoughts and our emotions and, and just dump it all into this thing called the internet and think that there's no implications for it. But when millions of people are doing it all at once and we're not taking responsibility for ourselves, it is shaping a culture. We need to be shaping culture in a way that leaves a legacy that is right, that is helpful. And I would say this, that is godly. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about. What do you want to pass on to the next generations? Money? Success? Security? Upward mobility? All of which are good. And we can do that. But there has to be more. There has to be something greater that we stand on for the future that will shape a culture and a society that's more than just you have money now. Because it doesn't, if, if money is all it is, or success is all it is, or more friends, or a house, like, those are awesome, and we want to care for that stuff. We, we should be thinking about that for our children and for the, for the future. We want to leave this world better than, than the way we left it. But if that is it, it, it will not stand the test of time, and it will not leave humans fulfilled with purpose and destiny. We need mission. We need cause. We need vision for the future. And if we're just thinking like, oh, I'm just going to run away, get a house, in the cab- a house in the mountains, and just escape all of life and reality and people in general, then we are missing it, man. That is not the legacy that God wants us to leave. He wants us engaged in, just like Jim said, Pastor Jim said, he wants us engaged in the city. That is our whole Vision, mission to bring wholeness to the city. Jeremiah 29.7. I don't have enough time to preach this message. I knew I'd be fired up today, and there was so much going on, and all good stuff happening. Look. Second Timothy helps us, okay? This, this little letter in the Bible, this is the Apostle Paul, right? One of the, the champions of the Christian faith. He, was, he wrote most of the New Testament, and he writes two letters to this young man named Timothy. And when I say young, he was probably around my age, so very young. And, and he is passing the baton to Timothy. He's saying, I'm old, I'm, I'm, my, my life is coming to an end. The faith is so important to be passed on. You are someone who's going to take this faith into the next generation. And he says it in verse 5. He says, I am reminded of, of this. This is what is the foundation for a godly legacy that will last and carry forward. It's not houses, it's not money, it's not security. He says, I am reminded of your sincere, what? Faith. Say faith. Faith. That's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. What that faith looks like, how it translates into the, 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 the life that we live now and the life that will come here on earth for generations to come in the future. This sincere faith. See, he, Paul talks about character in this letter. He, he teaches Timothy the, the things he needs to know and how to lead this very important church in Ephesus. And he, he lays it out. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to think. But he starts with this foundation of faith. That if we don't have an agreement on what we believe, on who we are based on that faith, that nothing will change the world or our own lives if it's not grounded in a sincere faith. Nothing is more important to our life and future than what we believe. And so all of us, if you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, middle-ager, senior-ager, whatever, all of us have the call to define and strengthen our faith and then to pass it on to define and strengthen the future and to give them a vision of faith. Look, faith, faith, if you look through the scriptures, everything revolves around faith. It is how, it's why you're here today. You come into this room and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here on a Sunday morning. This doesn't make much sense. I could be doing so many other things here in South Florida. But you're like, no, I'm going to church. Why? Because there's something in you. There's some faith in you. If you're watching at home or if you've been dragged here, you know, 
against your will. Like there's still something there that you're believing in that's either making you not want to come or saying okay to come. Faith is everything. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That we have to believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. The Bible also tells us that we walk not by sight but by faith. And that's all we want to do is walk by sight. Everything is by sight. We see the, 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 the mess of the world around us, and we, that's, that's our sight, and we go, we're doomed because we're walking by sight. God says, know your history. That's why it's important to know our history. We are not the first people to go through trouble we're not the first people to go through times that, that have been anti-Christian or anti-faith or fill in the blank of all the problems. It's, it's been here. It's happened before. It's happening now. It is time for us to lean in to our faith and believe that we have something greater in us than what we see around. And that is the sincere faith that Paul is pushing to Timothy. Without faith, we have no hope. But with faith, we have hope. We have strength. We have a future. It gives us purpose. So Paul tells his son in the faith, Of all the other things that he has to offer, Paul is reminded of, of Timothy's faith. That's the legacy. See, Timothy is someone we can all relate to. And you're like, well, I don't, that doesn't make sense. Timothy's a pastor in this church. No, no, listen, Timothy was, had gifts. He had a call in his life to, to, to work and to, to impact the world around him. And this is where we all can relate. He was fearful. And you say, well, how do you know he was scared? Well, because he's human, for one. So I just assume we're all scared. Two, Paul says later, he says in verse 7, God gave us a spirit not of what? Of fear. She's telling him, man. He's like, look, I know you're going to be fearful. God's put his spirit in you. Do not be afraid. But this is what the spirit does. It gives you power and love and self-control. And we'll talk about that in, in, in a second. We all feel inadequate about the, 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 the roles that we have. If you're a parent, if you feel like you're doing just a bang-up job, then we need to talk. And you need to, you need to let me know how I too could feel such joy and accomplishment. Because every single day, my wife and I look at each other and we're saying, we are ruining our children. And sometimes they tell us that too. And we're like, we know. <laughs> Go to your room. Daddy's angry. Um, we all feel inadequate. We feel fear. We have trouble walking in the, in the living in the, the roles that have been given to us. And, and so we need to have a good understanding of what that foundation will be for us to, to thrive. Friends, it's faith. There's no greater legacy that we could leave behind than a legacy of faith. You, you set the world record in faith and then let the future generations come and, and break that record and do things that we only dreamed of doing. And Paul uses that adjective, <laughs> sincere. He says, I'm reminded of your, not just your faith, but your sincere faith. Why? Because faith is ambiguous, man. Like we have faith in all kinds of things. I have faith that I will make it to this next job or that I have faith that I'll get this new house or I have faith that, that my kids will, like, like we, we believe in ourselves, right? And if we just believe strong enough in ourselves, like there's a faith system that, that wants to teach that. And the problem is that's not the faith that we need. We need a sincere faith. A sincere faith is a faith that is genuine. It is, it is rooted deeply in who God is, not in ourselves. See, insincere faith or non-sincere faith is all about me. It's all about what I can do. Sincere faith is all about who God is and what he did in Jesus Christ. And we look at the cross as a reminder of sincere faith. This is what we believe. This is 
This is our hope that Christ came to the earth to save us, to save us from ourselves, to save us from the faith that we put in ourselves because it, well, we just read it, right? God gives us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, self-control. Non-sincere faith is weak. It's not powerful. Non-sincere faith is selfish. It's not loving because that word love means unconditional, outward-focused, I'm just putting all my attention on you because I love you. Insincere faith is not all about you. It's about me. And forget about self-control, right? It's out of control. Non-sincere faith. So as we think about sincere faith, this is what we're thinking. This is how I want to define it. Based on the Bible, this is what I think he tells us. Sincere faith is, is the love of God, loving his people, and loving his mission. Loving God, loving his people, loving his mission. And I want that to stick in your head as we talk over the next few weeks. We are to love God. And that has so many implications. We're to love his people. That's the hard one, right? That's really the hard one. And then maybe second under that is loving his mission. Because usually God's mission for us is not the American dream. Right? It's not just about us living in, in comfort and ease and convenience, but it's about living for a purpose and for him. And so Paul is writing this letter to Timothy saying, like, look, this is going to be hard. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control. And that's what he's telling us, that you're going to need power. You're going to need love and self-control in order to accomplish the things that God has laid out for you. But that is awesome, man, because the best things come when we are fighting for it. That's why we love sports. That's why we love the Olympics. Like, it's hard. You're going to sweat. You're going to break some bones. You're going to get cut. Not everybody wins. So how are we going to leave? How should we think about leaving a legacy of faith? So this church has been left a legacy of faith. Even though most of you didn't know George Callahan, I, didn't, I haven't met him. You don't know Pastor Jim. Some of you don't know me. But we have been left a legacy of faith. You have been left legacies in your lives. Some of them have been heartbreaking and they have been full of failures and mistakes and that's this is the beauty of why the legacy of faith is so important because we learn and grow not just from the great things that we've been passed down but but also the failures and the mistakes and like if I said raise your hand if you feel like someone has you know a leader in your life an influencer has failed you and their legacy has been one of hurt and pain I'm sure a lot of us would raise our hand I'd raise my hand but God uses those, that faith that he has put in us, he uses it. He uses it to, to bring about amazing things in us. And we can look back and go, man, I, that, that didn't make a lot of sense, but holy moly, like I, I am stronger because of it. I am, I am more faithful because of it. And God used that in my life to bring about great things. And so as we think about what we are ready to give to this world now and how that will shape the future. Whether you're a parent now, mother or father, or whether you are just going to be a spiritual mother, father, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, God wants you to think clearly about what faith will look like. And here's it. Here it is. When we think about this kind of faith, we want to think about a faith that is modeled, faith that is mimicked, and a faith that is maturing. And I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. So what do I mean? A faith that is modeled. Look, this is, this is huge, right? And I wish I could spend so much more time talking about Lois and Eunice, okay? This could be an amazing Mother's Day message, but we, we can't do it all. Because look, look, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Again, there's that sincere faith. A faith that first dwelt 
in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Do you see? Here's the legacy of faith being passed down. These two women, Lois, Eunice, nobody's in the world. Never in their wildest dreams would they have thought that what they were doing for this young boy, Timothy, would have, would have influenced billions and billions of people over history. Timothy's mother, Eunice, was probably a single mom. We learn in other parts of Scripture that his dad was, was Greek and she was Jewish. She was a convert. He probably wasn't. And, and most people think he was probably out of the picture by, by this point. So in all essence, a single mom or at least single faith parent. They weren't influencers, right? They didn't have a YouTube channel that were like shaping the minds of single moms everywhere. And yet, man, there, the faith that dwelt in them was a model for this boy and I'm sure they taught him verbally, but also I believe that faith is often caught as much as it is taught. You see, some, right? It's hard to teach humility, but it's easy to see it. It's hard to verbally communicate joy, but it's easy to see. And you just go through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. That's the faith, the fruit of faith that we want to see in this world around us and in the future generations. And it is hard to verbally teach that, but it is, it is easy to model and is easy for others to catch, right? Just be around my wife for a little bit of time and you'll see a lot of smiling, friendly things, you know, loving emotions, hugging, all that. Not so much with me, but like she's... She's really good at that kind of stuff. And, and I, I want, you know, I'm learning from her as well. And I want to get better at those things. That faith dwelt in these two women. And it was passed down from grandmother to mother. It, 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 when it says it dwelt, it lived inside of them. And that faith that lived inside of them is the same faith that lives inside of us. And what happens when it lives inside is it comes out. It comes out and it, it infects the world around with faith. And now their names are written down for billions of people to see and learn from. I want this to encourage you. Don't think that you have nothing to offer. Each of you has so much to offer. And if you're, if you're one of the, the old guard, as Jim talked about, if you're, if you're in the, the senior stage of life, you have a purpose and a plan that God has for you. You have a place here to impart all of what you have learned into us and into the next generations. And even if you feel like we don't appreciate it, we want to do better at that, but don't give up. Don't give up. Keep pouring out. Keep modeling that faith. And if you're young, this is for you as well. You model faith that you have been taught you're not too young. And everyone in the middle, model this faith. Model loving God, loving his people, loving his mission. It's a faith to be modeled. It's a faith to be mimicked. Look, we need a model in such a way that it, it can be mimicked. Let's not overcomplicate the faith. There's simplicity in faith, love, power, self-control, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. We can model those in a way that others can follow. If we make it so hard and so complicated that no one knows what the heck they're doing, like it will not translate to the next generation. If all we make of our faith is you better wear this, look like this, say these words, then we are missing the faith. We are missing the gospel. We are just putting boxes around what we think some moral constraint of our faith is, and it will not translate. It just puts us into prison. 
God wants us free from that and he wants us mimicking what we see others doing. So we want it to be clear. We want it to be simple. We want it to be repeatable. Think about the things that children most mimic from parents. It's usually the stuff they hear come out of our mouths. So when we hear little kids cursing, we're like, we know where they got that from. If they're biting, hitting, you know, like doing all the bad, like it's the simple stuff that they do. They're like, yeah, I see mommy do that, so I'm gonna do it. I see daddy. Let that be a template for how we think about mimicking the faith, modeling and then mimicking. In verse 13 of this section, he says, follow the pattern of sound words. Follow, follow. We need to be mimicking and finally maturing. Look, we want our faith to grow. It has to be growing. It, it, if you think you've reached the end of your faith journey, you, you need to stop thinking that, okay? You need to get that out of your mind and say, okay, I am still learning. I need to hear things that will help my faith grow. I need to be challenged. I need to be held accountable. See, a maturing faith is a growing faith. Paul says it to Timothy, says, I want to fan into flame the gift that's in you. Do you see that? I want to fan into flame. That means I need to kindle it up. I need to, I need to rekindle. I need to get it going. We need to be fanning into flame the gifts that are in each other. The only way that that happens is through a maturing faith, and that comes by doing exactly what you're doing. You're here, you're sitting, you're listening, you're learning, you're with people who are just different than you, who sound different, who think different, who smell different, who, who just process the world differently. That is so good. We need that. We want this to be a multi-generational church, a multi-ethnic church, a multi-racial church, so that we can all experience the God of the universe that is so much bigger than just what we experience in our little cities, our little worlds, our little boxes. So yeah, sometimes we're going to sing in other languages. Sometimes we're going to expand our mind to say, there's a song being sung over billions of people spread over thousands and thousands of miles that we can tap into together. And, 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 and here's the biggest part about a maturing faith. We start to realize that faith, a, a growing, maturing, modeling, mimicking faith is just not centered around me. It's not centered around my convenience, my comfort. So if you feel uncomfortable at times when we're singing or things that I say, like you should go, oh, this is, I'm uncomfortable. Like maybe this is good. Because everything in the world around us is just wanting us to be comfortable. We have an opportunity to, to be comfortably uncomfortable. And that means, let me say this church, come here or come to a church. This is the rallying point for us. This is where we gather to get, to get fed, to get charged up, to get equipped so that we go out into the world to bring wholeness to South Florida. But, but we need to be here. I'm telling you, we have to, look, don't let the virus stand in the way any longer. Don't let it be an excuse. If we have to mask up, we'll mask up. I, I don't care, but we need to be together. We need to, and if you have to watch online, watch online, but we need as a church to come back, to sit in seats together, to be around the word of God and around other people who just strengthen us and sharpen us. We have to do it. And I would say this, come early, be ready, be eager to hear, because guess what? Yeah, you, you, you clap. I'm going to look next week. Because here, here's the deal. We want to see everyone from out there come into here. And guess who's the, the biggest part of that is not me, man, it's you. When, when they come in, they want to see people are here because when they see people are here and then you turn around and you say hello, I'm going to tell you what, when you, when you walk in here at 1030 on an empty room, it just feels weird. And if people are coming in and you're not like you are, God has gifted you to pour into this legacy of faith for those who have no faith yet. Catch that vision and get excited about it. Find joy in it. Be, be ready. Be eager. Come in. Get your coffee and like just be caffeinated for Jesus, man. And like, let's get after it.
Church, let's stand together. Look, the last thing I want is for you to leave here going, man, I just got to try harder. I just got to do better. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that Christ has done it for you. Now, rest in him. Trust in him. He will do it. Look, yeah, it's, it, it's not rocket science, but the war inside is real. We fight against the passions going on inside of us. And I want to pray over you. And I want you, if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if all this is new or you've been on the fence, then I want to call you to a place of faith and belief to say, today is the day. Trust in Jesus. Trust in who God is. Put your faith in him, your trust in him. Don't wait any longer. There is no time. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. Your eternal soul and your present effectiveness and life is greatly affected, eternally affected by your belief and faith. Put your hope in Christ. And for those of you who have a faith in Jesus, let's turn that dial up. Because there is a world out there that needs you. They need him, but he uses you to get to him. Be excited about that. Get fired up. Let's be on mission to love God's people, to love his mission, and to, of course, first and foremost, love him. Lord Jesus, we give you all of our hearts, our soul, our life to be used for your glory. God, we need your strength. We need your vision. God, forgive us for apathy. Forgive us for passivity. God, forgive us for, for unbelief and for just walking by sight and not by faith. Lord, give us eyes to see you in a whole new way so that we would be shaped by you, defined by you, and then we would take that faith and we would spread it everywhere that we go for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing, church.